Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and blessings and welcome to another installment of the Gist of Freedom of Faith. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author Leslie Gist and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who with faith and focus are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552. Good evening, everyone. My name is Preston Washington. I'm your host this evening for the Gist of Freedom program. I'm a genealogist headquartered in Kansas City, Missouri. And I'm the president of the Midwest Afro-American Genealogical Interest Coalition, in addition to being a board member of the Missouri State Genealogical Association. Our guest joining us tonight is Leslie Wells Harper, who's the owner and operator of the Niagara Bound Tours Company, headquartered in Canada, which was established in 2004 specializing in what is known as a crossing point tours, taking individuals on tours of where escaped slaves from the southern parts of the United States made their way over into Canada, and also touring um, where they settled in Canada. And uh, our producer, Ms. Leslie Gist, would like to thank all of her Facebook friends for coming out and supporting this screening uh, that was held yesterday in New York City, uh, the documentary film Slavery by Another Name. And uh, we'll go on with our program now. Uh, Ms. Harper, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you this evening? I'm fine, thank you. Good, good. How's Kansas City? Uh, We're jazzy here. All right, all right. Good yeah. to hear. Happy Black History Month. And uh, same to you. Thank you. And uh, now, are you in Canada? Yes, I, I am. I'm near Niagara Falls. I'm in a city called St. Catharines, where Harriet Tubman brought her passengers to. Okay. Now, I understand that you have various uh, tours uh, based on one's uh, what they can afford to pay. That's kind of right. reminded me of the uh, Sears and Roebuck catalogs back in the day where they had best, better, and best. Oh, or I don't good, remember that. You don't yes, know. I do. I'm only kidding. <laughs> yes, I do. What okay. I do is I offer, I just started this year, and uh, there's so many things happening with Black History this year that I'm offering a public tour at various times during the year. Just had one yesterday. It was small, but I'm a small business, so it's good. I primarily do group tours. Um, it's a slow-moving company. Um, but we're getting there and people are learning about the history, appreciating the history, um, and knowing about it. But we have we cover all kinds as all aspects of um history within this tour in the Niagara region. We have of course underground railroad era history. We can um recall some we can even bring in some Civil War history, War of eighteen twelve 
civil rights movement. There are sites for all of these types of areas of our history right here in the Niagara area. But I offer my website, niagaraboundtours.com, and people can reach me through that. But I do individual okay. tours as well as group. Are you also on Facebook? Yes, I am. And um, not so much more with my name, which is Leslie with a Z, Harper Wells, and they can reach me through that as well. But the website's probably the best way, and then we can hook up on Facebook after that. I have one for Niagara Bound Tours, but I'm not quite as savvy as Ms. Giss is. Okay. I haven't quite acquired that skill yet. Okay. Well, um, can you give us some idea? I mean, you mentioned 1812. Is that where you would like to start to kind of tell us how uh, well, Canada um, played into the I can the tell you about the War of 1812. We, as um, those of us of African descent in North America, have participated in every war since the American Revolution, and the War of 1812 was not an exception. We um, In Canada here, we actually fought in the big war um, of the War of 1812 uh, with Isaac Brock. And um, we, well, there was a color corps of gentlemen that uh, were free men here in Niagara, and they were part of a militia group building forts. And we see the forts that they built back in 1814 at nighttime. And I'm being asked here by uh, Ms. Guess, why would I start the, why I started the business? And I'll answer that question now as well. I started the business in 2004, and I, I, it was it's a calling for me. Um, I decided to open my own business, and I knew I was going to open my business either in tourism or in nonprofit. And I don't know. God just led me to doing Black History. We have a group of uh, students here whose families weren't born in Canada and the children um, don't feel a sense of place because they don't know the sacrifices and um, the the strength of will and the faith in God that the people who came to Canada endured and were able to move forward in this in this country. So it's an important message for these these new Canadians to hear as well. Okay, and are those high school students or college students? Well, we start, um, I I will take grade five, although it's a little harsh for them, grade seven and up. And then also, and so, um, because what happened was I worked for a big school board here in Canada, and um, our youth were getting the wrong message. And unfortunately, I have to tell you, now I'm seeing two generations later, or, yeah, 20 years later, I'm now visiting not those students that I worked with at the school board, but the next generation at our maximum security facility for youth. And is um, the, uh, go ahead. I'm me? sorry. No, is the inclusion it, 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 of well, Black History mandated in your schools? No, and you know what? I'd rather it not be to tell you the truth, and I'll tell you why. Once they get their okay. hands on it, it turns into it. It becomes politically correct, correct, and it can be washed up in a way that doesn't. It just is better. The young teachers that um, the the young teachers that are bringing me students are really keen about this history, 
and they go through and they make sure it fits in with what they're teaching the students, and it makes it a much better program than if it was part of the curriculum. So some want it to be part of the curriculum, but I, I, I find that we have much more latitude if it isn't, and the teachers are very, very good. Oh, that's an excellent point. Um, the government usually um, oh, yeah. gets things it, it, quite wrong when they get involved. <laughs> With it, you know, with, with this history, and of course, now as this history is evolving, information's changing. There are a lot of myths out there, like the the quilt myths, um, the Harriet Tubman and, and the three hundred, and the nineteen trips, and the forty thousand reward, and and it, when you come, I, I must tell people, anyone who wants to come on, come to Canada, and we I also do them in the in Niagara Falls and Buffalo area as well for those who don't have passports or just want to learn more on the U.S. side, I do them there as well. But you will not see a tunnel. It's amazing how many people think when they go on an underground railroad tour that they are going to see a tunnel. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of the education. And I just explain it to people so that they understand. You know, we have a tendency to present this history in um, sometimes harsh ways, but a lot of times, oh, they they came to Canada, they walked, to Canada. My family came from Kentucky and walked to Niagara, and one of them was nine years old, and she came with her older brothers, walked from Kentucky to Canada. We're taught to Niagara Falls. That's a huge, that's a big walk. That's a huge walk. That's no kidding. No yeah. kidding. But we have a tendency to just say, oh, they came up, and then the condition that they would arrive in, we have a ten- you know, frostbite because they traveled between U.S. Thanksgiving and, and New Year's. So some of them would have frostbite, um, it, and sometimes there would be insect bites and infections and may have lost family members along the way and chased by dogs or bit by dogs or many, all the things that could happen to people. But we have a well, tendency coming, to amazing. Coming from, sorry, excuse me. Coming from there. Kentucky to Canada, uh, walking that distance, were they uh, did they take advantage of the underground railroad between Kentucky and Canada? What happened here? What would happen in this in this area is when you became of age and you knew we came up on the underground railroad and you started to ask questions when you were younger, and this is multi generational. What we were told is, I, you'd ask, did we come up on the Underground Railroad? And the universal answer would be, never mind that, you're here now. So you wouldn't get the full story because they wouldn't tell it. Now, there could be various reasons. It was a secret thing to do, too painful for people to remember and recall. I remember when Roots came out, my older relatives who were only one generation away from their family who had been slaves couldn't watch the movie. So it may be too painful, I don't know. But my great uncle um, was the one that I got a little bit of information from, but not a lot. As far as whether they were, how they were helped, um, I can't tell you. I can tell you at one point the two brothers had to move quickly and they realized they'd left the little sister sleeping in a log and had to go back a quarter of a mile to get her. Mm. Speaking we, of myths, um, there's a myth that uh, blacks... Uh, found it and started the sport of ice skating in Canada. Yes, yes, we did, and uh, it started in Nova Scotia on the on in the Maritimes, and it's our sport. 
And there's actually a website regarding it, but I apologize. I, I can't recall it or find it. But if someone wants to email me at contactniagaraboundtours.com, I'd be more than happy to look that up for them. But, yes, we did. We started it. Okay. I'm proud to say, so, although we weren't always allowed to participate, but we did start it. Okay. So you think that was developed because they were escaping over those and crossing those frozen <laughs> rivers? I really... Um, I'm not, this is a, being a Canadian, I don't know if you'll believe me or not, but I'm not a huge hockey fan. Um, so oh, I, I can I remember, understand that. Pardon me? I say I can understand that. Well, being a You're Canadian, being a you don't say that in Canada. We're all supposed to be hockey fans. I'm, I'm okay. more football. But anyway, I just, um, I remember reading it very briefly a while ago, and my recall at the moment um, is fading on me regarding that. And um, But we did, there was an article about it, and there's been some information on it. But it's true, we did start hockey. We did start hockey here in Canada. A lot of, And then we didn't play for a long time. And then we started to play, but we weren't very good. But now we're starting to see all kinds of young black men and young black girls playing hockey. Mm-hmm. Is it true that... Uh Winter was uh, particularly advantageous to escape uh, because the river was frozen, so well, one could cross that river without the fear of drowning. Well, one of the not the Niagara River, that's for sure. Um, one of the reasons that they chose, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, is they would travel between U.S. Thanksgiving and New Year's, and the reason that was the chosen time. We know that Harriet Tubman brothers arrived here in St. Catharines at Christmas time. They chose to travel at that time. The reason that so many would travel at that time was primarily because the enslaver would be busy with um, holidays. And remember, you know, you couldn't get on a Southwest airline on Wednesday night, be at Grandma's house for dinner on Thursday. You know what I mean? So they mm-hmm. would be gone for extended periods of time. So that would the, the enslaver wouldn't be paying attention. So okay. they would leave now, then. Now you so mentioned that was Harriet the primary Tubman. reason. And uh, St. Catharines, was that a principal uh, crossing point? It's Saint not Catherine. a crossing point. It's a little bit inland. They would have come through Fort Erie, where the Niagara River is, and we actually know that there are people that swam that river. It has an amazing current, one of the fastest running currents in the world. It does not freeze. Um, and they may have come through... Um, Niagara Falls on the old suspension bridge. We know Harriet Tubman brought one of her passengers through on the train. And they may have come by boat um, in Lewiston, New York, with the help of an abolitionist by the name of Josiah Tryon. And he may have brought some of them over. So there were numerous ways for people to travel to get here. Is that uh, old suspension bridge still there? Are there any no, particular no, sites what people see? Well, the sites that people would... Okay. One of the sites I take them and I show them where Josiah Henson, the character used in Uncle Tom's Cabin, um, where where we believe he may have crossed into Canada. And there's a plaque there. We we aren't as good in Canada at taking care of our um, structures and so on, but I'm a visual speaker, so I, I pretty much give you a visual idea of sites that we have here. 
you'll visit um, one one structure that we do have is um, we don't always go in it. It just depends on what's happening with the people from the church. Um, we'll go into the church that Harriet Tubman helped build and attended along with other freedom seekers when they were in St. Catharines. And the reason St. Oh, you asked, sorry, I apologize. You had asked me about St. Catharines. Let me fill that in right now. The reason that um, people came to St. Catharines, there was a, an anti-slavery society here. And that's why Harriet brought her people to St. Catharines. There actually was an organization here um, may, that were here to assist and help refugees, if you will, get settled in the community. So that's why St. Catharines. But it's in about, um, by car it would take another half an hour or so to get from the river, and that's by car, so you can imagine. And if it's a cloudy sure. night, you can forget that North Star, can't you? Oh, yeah. Um, that's another thing people don't think about. You know, we talk about follow the North Star. What do you do on a cloudy night? I see. Leslie, yeah. I think we have a caller on the line. Sure. Um, go ahead, caller. Are you there? Are you there, caller? Okay, maybe they'll call back, Leslie. Okay. Are you there, caller? Uh, yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, give us your name and where you're calling from, sir, and your comment or question. Uh, yes. How are you doing? My name is Samuel Livingston, and um, I enjoyed um, just actually tuned in, but uh, I just wanted to, to call in and really just to listen in. Um, I'm not that up on blog talk radio, but it's a very interesting conversation um, going on. And um, I've spoken with, is this, this is um, this guest on the, on the line? Just no, my, no, I'm the host Preston Washington. And our guest is Leslie uh, Harper Wells. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, uh, Leslie. Uh, uh I just had a question. Did you have you noticed any connections between um, the militant abolitionist plans of you know some leaders like Moses Dixon and Joe, uh, excuse me, John Brown and others, um, and any possible connections with uh, blacks in Canada? Was any attempt to coordinate uh, any of those freedom plans? Well, John Brown actually came here to St. Catharines and spoke with Harriet Tubman about his plans for Harper's Ferry. Um, the other person you mentioned, I apologize, I'm, I'm not familiar with that person, but John Brown was here in Canada talking to um, Harriet Tubman about his plans to um, go to Harper's Ferry. Okay. So there was all kinds, of, all kinds of activity going on here. And when we talk about the Civil War, I was asked this earlier, um, and uh, actually the... John Wilkes Booth was here in 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 the area in St. Catharines at the time of the Civil War because it was a safe haven for for them to meet to come up to Canada and and have their their discussions and meetings and whatnot. So there's all kinds of activity going on here in Canada that people are are just now being made aware of. Mm -hmm. A part of my research. Um uh, is on Reverend Moses Dixon and taking a look at his background. Okay. Uh, one of the interesting, one of the things that I found was that in Cincinnati, um, you know, basically uh, about 1,100 uh, Africans at the time, um, formerly enslaved African people, um, were forced from the city. Uh, I guess it had to have been in 1829. Uh, okay. Have been earlier. Um, mm -hmm. But. There, I know that their their ultimate 
destination was in um, Canada West and Ontario. Right. Uh, Southwest. So, I, you know, I, it just seems like there's a continuing or some type of continuous, of course, um, relationship between black folks in, in America and the ultimate, you know, Canada is one of those main destinations, of course, yeah. for um, for freedom migrants. Yeah, we were very much connected. My great-grandfather, again, I, I, I'm sorry I keep going back to the Civil War, but um, it just seems to pop up. Uh, my great-grandfather was born in southwestern Ontario, western Canada. Well, western Canada at the time just was Ontario. And um, he was born there in 1840. And in 1863, he left southwestern Ontario and came to Buffalo and signed up with the Union Army and fought in the Civil War in Florida. Hmm. So there's all, And there's always a connection. And we were always... Leslie. Yes? I have a question. Um when did Canada end slavery, and what was their fugitive slave law policy? One of this is the best. Thank you for asking. I'm so delighted to be able to tell you and all those listening tonight that although I can't confirm it yet, I believe that Canada was, and if someone wants to correct me, that's fine, or if someone knows a country that did it before Canada, that's fine. But in 1793... John Gray Simcoe was the Queen's representative here in Canada, and he ahorted slavery and would have stopped it if he could when he got here, but there were too many people that liked it. So what happened was is that in 1793, due to an incident that happened on July the 9th, he decided that that's enough, and he passed the Anti-Slave Act, which meant that anyone born after that date would no longer be slaves, and he started the slow eradication of slavery in Canada, even before 1807, when Britain said we're not going to um, we're not we're not going to continue the marketing of Africans as slaves around the world anymore. And so then we our our act our emancipation was in 1833 and came into effect in 1834. But the 1793, so 220 years ago, this July, Canada started to eradicate slavery in this country. Is there a celebration in Canada? No, there isn't. And that's so disappointing. Well, part of it is we, so many of us were thinking about the Harriet Tubman um, 100th anniversary of her passing that I didn't. It didn't even dawn on me until around Christmas time this year. And I said, hey, wait a minute. And I got out my calculator, and it's like, oh. But, and so rather than feel bad because I had missed it, we have five years to get it together and have a great celebration for the 225th. So there's no Canadian Emancipation Day. Yes, we used to have a big celebration here in St. Catharines, down by Lake Ontario, in a little hamlet called Port Dalhousie. And between five and 6,000 people would come every August and celebrate their freedom in Canada. and that would, uh, But unfortunately, there was a man who organized it, and when he moved away from the area, the big celebration stopped. But five to 6,000 people would come here from all over. They still do have a, uh, have a get-together, but it's not as big an event, and um, it still happens every August. But it's interesting that we still will get people from Virginia or Georgia or from the East Coast that had heard about this when they were children like I did and still will come. Not as big in numbers, but apparently they still come. 
Yeah, here in the States, uh, Frederick Douglass uh, refused to celebrate the 4th of July. I remember his speech. And encouraged people to celebrate the Canadian and international uh, emancipations instead of the July 4th celebrations. Yes, that's a very famous speech. Mm-hmm. It should mm-hmm. be uh, required. He was re- also here in St. Catharines visiting with Harriet at one time. Were and there then any also, other... Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And and then he also, when he married his second wife, he honeymooned in Niagara Falls. Okay. So, Were there any other notable um, conductors other than Harriet Tubman Yes, well, Josiah Henson, in his book. Now, um, he brought over 160 slaves up from Maryland. And as I've been going through, I was in Maryland last year, and, and we talk about Frederick Douglass and, and, and he and his wife helping slaves to, to move to freedom, and Harriet Tubman. And the thing that Josiah Henson, Harriet Tubman, and Frederick Douglass all have in common is they're all from the state of Maryland. And and this is just conjecture on my part and just thinking. Those are the three we know about that that became famous. But I'm I wonder if there were a lot of people from the eastern seaboard that did a lot of that once they found Canada brought in a lot a lot of other people. And we won't it's hard to find that information out. But it wouldn't surprise me if that's what happened, that many people on the eastern seaboard, once they came to Canada, uh, established themselves, made the trip back and forth, made the trip back and forth and brought other family members and friends into Canada as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand that Josiah um, is an ancestor of a television and movie actress, Tyree. Oh, really? I hadn't heard that. Well, with Tyree listening, I'd love to take her on a tour. I didn't know that. I didn't. Well, I use, you know what, Preston, one of the things that I do is I use that that site to talk about the derogatory term Uncle Tom. And I always, I, I tell people that if you want to call me Uncle Tom, I embrace the term. Because if they knew who Josiah Henson really was, he was a wonderful man, a Christian, God-fearing man who was loved by blacks and whites, always a gentleman, hardworking, caring, helped to establish Don Settlement in southwestern Ontario, met Queen Victoria. I consider him to be one of the founding fathers of Canada. And when we use that term, Uncle Tom, um, it, it, I try and explain to people that they don't know what they're talking about because when you perceive someone in those days if you like if someone seemed to be uh bowing and scraping or whatever they were smart if the enslaver thought that the their that their slave understood what they were talking about they wouldn't be able to gain any information they wouldn't know what was happening in the next plantation or who was where or what was going on so it was to their advantage to act stupid because we know we aren't stupid, but it was to their mm-hmm. advantage to pretend they were stupid. So if somebody wanted to call me Uncle Tom, I'd say thank you so much for the compliment. And that's the way I feel about it. Do we know if uh, Sojourner Truth ever 
visited Coming Canada. Into Canada? Yeah. I Is that what you're asking me? Yes, I'm asking if. Yeah, I'm not I haven't seen anything or heard anything that she ever came into Canada. But um I certainly talk about her when I was asked when Obama became president, someone asked me um what the press asked me, how would the people you talk about on your tour feel? about Obama being president, and God put it on my heart to talk about Sojourner Truth. And uh, I talked about her having those babies and how her babies were taken away from her. And all she wanted, all she would want to do is to be able to hold her babies. And uh, so to move it up to the President of the United States would have been just something that someone like she just couldn't even fathom or imagine. But as far as her having come to Canada... Um, I've never seen anything on it. That's not to say that they didn't. I, you know, some. I, this is, as you know, there's so much to this history, and uh, I, I'm learning all the time myself. So, like Moses Dixon, um, I'm going to have to now look him up and read more about him. So it's a learning history for me as well. I see. You yeah. said that was Moses Dixon. That was who he mentioned. Was Moses Dixon. Oh yeah, the gentleman the that was on the radio was on with us, or I don't know if mm-hmm. he's on now or what. Are you but still he there, Colin? mentioned Colin? Moses Dixon. Okay, apparently he's left as an state. abolitionist, or yeah, an abolitionist. So I'm going to have to read up on him now. So, which is fine. Well, what other um, notable folks can you tell us about other than Josiah Henson and well, Harriet? Well, the Hedman? other ones, that, another. Uh, and this is where some of the the information, uh, I still have to work on it. I can't, we used to say that the Niagara Movement of 1905 with W.E.B. Dubois, who was the first black man to get a Ph.D. from Harvard. Um, there, was a, there was another black man who got the first degree, but W.E.B. Dubois was the first to get his Ph.D. from Harvard. He and 29 others met to discuss Jim Crow. And they used to say that they came to Fort Erie, and then there, but then there was a conflicting um, observation that they actually met in Buffalo at Mary Talbert's house. And Mary Talbert was the president of the Negro Council of Women's National Negro Council of Women's Association, which that in of itself in 1905 is unbelievable to think that there was a an organization of black women, a national black women's association, in 1905. Anyway, they were supposed to have met at her house, and but they still did come to Fort Erie because there was um, an amusement park. They called it a casino, not like a slot machine kind of casino, but an amusement park where people would come over on the ferry boats and enjoy the um, the the lake and the activities that would be happening in the dance hall and the, on the co- on the uh, promenade and so on and so forth. So we know that they came to Fort Erie. So W.E.B. Dubois actually came to Fort Erie. And one of the resulting um, resolutions from that NAGRA movement meeting was the development of the NAACP. So um, that's something that I was born in Fort Erie, by the way, and that's something I take great pride in because, as you know, even if they did meet in Buffalo, there's the meeting after the meeting, so I'm sure they continued their talks while while they were here. We have another caller on the line. Yeah, hello. Hi. Hello, are you there, caller? Hello, can you hear me? Yes. 
Okay, my name is Jackie Wiggins. I'm calling from Philadelphia. And I wanted to pose just two questions. One would be some of the myths that you mentioned, particularly about uh, Mrs. Tubman. I wanted to know about the $40,000, if that was true or false. And um, the fact of, I think it was, I can't think of the writer's name, is it Kit Larson? Yes. Who talked in terms of perhaps Mrs. Tubman not making 19 trips, but right. another number. So I wanted to comment on that. How many? 13. So. <laughs> Thirteen. I want your commentary just in terms of uh, the significance sure. of uh, of someone doing that, you know, doing that research to say it wasn't nineteen; it was four less. I mean, okay, okay, I'd be happy to. Um, one other thing, when when Kate, I know um, Kate, I know her Kate. very well, and uh, when she first came out with these numbers, I remember how offended we were because right. we're almost invisible here in Niagara. Um, there aren't many of us here. And it was highly offensive to think that this person had the audacity. To, it was like she was taking that away from us here in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I was quite offended. And then I sat and I talked with her, and I found her reasoning. She was she was doing her dissertation for her Ph.D. And she's the one, We in, in many ways we thank her now, because she's turning our not just our history, but history in and of itself into a science. Because... Our history, black history in particular, has been mythologized and romanticized to the point where everything's portrayed in, in a little children's book and softened a lot. And I, I had, that's one of my pet peeves. When it was mm-hmm. a very difficult time with people of great strength and, and faith that made it through. And that's what I want people to know. As far as the um, a number of trips, um, Kate was able to show 13 trips. Um, and the $40,000 reward, that poster that you may have seen copies of wasn't even developed, I understand, until the 20th century. The other reason that it was kind of bizarre is that John Wilkes Booth, I believe his his um, reward was between twenty and 25000 and he had assassinated the president. And when you think about that 40000 nobody knew that it was her that was traveling back and forth. How would they know? How would they know that it was her that was doing it? It wasn't like, you know, the mass communication system that we have today. This was very secret. There was an ad that um, there is a, an ad that there is a copy of that showed that when she left in, in 1849, um, they were looking for Armida Ross. That was their name at the time. And it was for three hundred dollars. So that's that. That's part of the explanation for the forty thousand. And as far as the thirteen trips, that's what um, Dr. Clifford Larson was able to prove. Now, I try to stay away from number. I do dispel the numbers that are out there, but I explain we may find more. There may be new evidence coming forward. That's what we know now, and. Um, I'm not sure. It may have been Sarah Bradford who came up with the 19, but Harriet never said 19. Mm-hmm. What was Kate's motivation for her research? Yes, that's a very good question. Well, you know what? Um, I, I'm i trying to remember if I've asked her that, because I know it's crossed my mind too, but having been with her many times, and I was just with her um, last month, yeah, this month, sorry, a few weeks ago she was here in Niagara speaking. And um, I think that 
this will sound strange, I'm sure, and I'm not sure how you'll react, but I think she's been chosen to, to be almost channel Harriet Harriet Tubman. When you speak to her and talk to this woman, she does it with such conviction, passion, that is it's coming from the heart. She's protecting Harriet and she's and she's educating people on Harriet. And like I say, a lot of us who are into this history now are mm-hmm. very grateful for her for um making people look at our history with a more accurate mind instead of oh we'll just put the quilts out there. You know what yeah, I mean? I, yeah, I wanted to I, hello, I just wanted to mention about the quilts because I was one who was um a site administrator of a white Quaker house in Philadelphia in Germantown. It's called the Johnson House. And I something always made me feel a little funny about the quilts. I never really said too much. And then I think it was Giles Wright, who was uh, head of the From history. From the museum? So in, the, in the New Jersey. Mm-hmm. He did a full full length piece on where is that information coming from. But yeah. my, my other my other question was I too have started did my very first business plan to start my own tourism business. But I would want to go on the tour. And <laughs> I wanted to have your web address again. Oh, uh, so it's I can contact you. dot com and I'd love to help you get uh, well, I'm sorry, girl, could, we'll could you give it to me again? For days. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, could you give it to me again? Niagara? Niagara? Bound. Yeah, Bound, B-O-U-N-D, Bound, Mm -hmm. Tours.com. Tours.com, okay. Okay. Thank you so much. I'm with a group of educators. We're retired now, but we're We're still want to do it. I'll take care of you. Okay, so I'll contact you then. That'd be great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. Look forward to seeing you. Sure, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, um... Getting back to those ads that you were talking about, now we understand that the Underground Railroad was a very sophisticated uh, network and that there were so many trips uh, that the United States had to pass the Fugitive Slave Law right? Uh, trying to demand help. Did Canada ever engage uh, in that or cooperate with the Fugitive Slave Law? No. What happened at the... It was again. Oh, yeah. We 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 told the United States that we would not be returning any slaves that came into any refugees, if you will, that came into Canada once once we were uh, once we had eradicated slavery. However, that did not mean that bounty hunters didn't come in. Some people don't think they did, but we didn't have a sophisticated border either at that time. We didn't have coast guards and all that kind of thing. So you still wouldn't arrive with your big lantern beaming light. Um, mm-hmm. My family changed their name when they came, just in case. So even though the government didn't support slaves being taken back into back into the U.S., um, that didn't mean that there may not have been some that went. Okay, so we don't have any documentation of uh, there would no there would kidnappers be. coming into Canada. And, I uh, think there. I think. Back. Well, the only proof we have is is my fam my oral my family oral history saying that my family changed their name when they came. So right. they wouldn't have changed their name unless they felt they had to. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And they came against, in from Kentucky. Uh, so there, yeah, that to me is capture. proof that there was something go. There was some sort of threat. Whether some sort of threat of 
bounty hunters still being there, but there's some people that don't believe that the bounty hunters actually came over, and they probably weren't as active once the once that once Canada said we won't do it. Okay. Some of, a lot of this is also conjecture, Preston. As, as as I say, this is an evolving history, and it, and and I give the best possible answer I can to the knowledge that I have. Okay, uh, we're about running out of time here. Could you um, mention again um, your contact information, and are there any events coming up that might interest our listeners? That are coming up okay. right away in Canada. Well, there's there's um, there's always tours on March the ninth. The church here in St. Catharines is having a um, is having a dinner to commemorate Harriet Tubman's hundredth anniversary. And then on the tenth, we're having a bit of a service at the church as well. So that's what's going on. And then there's uh, there's going to be um, a conference in Auburn, New York. Um, in November, and people can contact me through my web my website, and I can tell them I can send them links to things. Um, Kate Clifford Larson will be speaking at Troy in Troy at the Russell Sage College in in April this year, and there's the Abolitionist Hall of Fame Museum in Peterborough, New York, where Garrett Smith um, lived and was a wonderful help in moving people up north and providing funds. But my website is niagaraboundtours.com, and then everything else is there. There's even a video of me so you can see what I look like, and my phone number is there, and, of course, my name is there. But it's niagaraboundtours.com. And I do tours on both sides of the border. So if you find that you can't um, come in, you don't have a passport to come into Canada or the time or whatever, there's sites okay. on the U.S. side as well. And that's Leslie Harper Wells. That's right. I think I had it turned around when we... Yeah, you did. That's show. okay. And I'm sorry about that. Don't worry. And, uh, Not a problem. I want to thank you very much. Uh, it is so refreshing to know that um, that this history is um, there on the other side of Canada. And oh, and there's so created, much more to tell. Exactly, but, that you've created uh, a venue where this information can be shared and people can actually go on a tour and well I and hope walk to see lots of people and I hope to see lots of people um contacting me and coming up here and I'm very happy to answer questions um through my email and website as well they don't you know but I do offer public tours this year for the first time and I do do group tours so as that one woman said she was a retired teacher and had a group of people Church groups come up here, school groups come up here, and I'm able to take care of all of their um, tour needs. And I'd be more than happy to do that. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you, Preston. And once again, happy Black History Month. We come from a wonderful group of people. Thank you, Leslie. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. I want to remind our listeners uh, to join us again Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time at block, blocktalkradio.com backslash back, black history as we continue our discussion of the book Black Abolitionist by Benjamin Quarles. <clears throat> Please tune in for that. Our producer, author and historian Leslie Guest would like to thank her Facebook friends for coming out to uh, the celebration 
of uh, Slavery by Another Name. It was held in New York City uh, just yesterday. And for all your support and uh, for all the friends that you sent in for that uh, auspicious occasion, I've been your host. My name is Preston Washington, based in Kansas City, Missouri. And um, just before we go off the air here, okay, it looks like our engineers have cleared us. And good night, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you.